Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the True Story FM Entertainment Podcast Network. And I'm Pete Wright, and this podcast is a force we can't begin to control. (laughs) It feels that way sometimes. (laughs) Today, we're talking about Minute 53, which begins with a very desperate fury and ends with Loki dragging things out. Back on the show, it's Declan Craggs. Hello, Declan. Hello, hello, hello. We are continuing our conversation between uh, uh, between Nick Fury and Loki at the uh, at Loki's cell, while we have a number of our Avengers in the conference room, or I shouldn't say conference room; it's really the hell the the bridge, the bridge but the conference yeah. table on the bridge as they listen in and watch uh, what how things play out. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, let's, let's kind of jump in there. So this is, we're really kicking in on this moment where Fury is talking about how desperate he is. You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. I guess we talked with you about Nick Fury a little bit, uh, when you were first on at the, at the beginning of this season, right? Declan, did we talk much about Nick Fury? I can't remember. Uh, well, we definitely talked. I don't know if we got into any details. I think it was more kind of just about, you know, the, escaping the base and all of that sort of thing. Um, what do you think of, of Fury, like this portrayal of Fury? Do you like Samuel L. Jackson as this character? Very, very much so. I think he's now defined the character. It, it would be really difficult to imagine Nick Fury as anyone else. I would, I think I'd really struggle. I think a lot of people, you know, on, would be on that same page where maybe as well because I guess the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been around so long now that Nick Fury played by Samuel L. Jackson is the normal. But yeah, I, I, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson could play pretty much any role and it would be great. <laughs> he was originally slated for Black Widow, so that's crazy. That, <laughs> I mean, he could play any role. Do you think he could handle it if there were any snakes on this? Does this count as a plane? <laughs> snakes on the helicarrier? They would have definitely got sucked out of the, uh, <laughs> of the hatch. <laughs> Maybe that's actually why he opened it. it was, he wasn't really worried about Loki, but he happened to see some snakes. He's like, God, snakes on the plane again. <laughs> that would have been a better speech, too. This was originally designed for something much creepier than you. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't joke about yesterday, and I meant to joke about it. There, was, there, were, there were jokes and gaffes aplenty queued up about the Thor hero trailer shot that we got at the very, very last few seconds of yesterday's minute, um, where he's with his bulging biceps and thoughtful expression um, that was used in the in the trailer as many times as they could. I think it was the only shot used in the trailer, as far as I can remember, with all the biceps <laughs> of Chris Hemsworth, long flowing hair. Uh, I I just want to know, what's he thinking about right now? His biceps. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's just flexing. He's just flexing going, yeah, you like that? You like that? He's, yeah, he's <laughs> like, I don't even need to put my hand under my bicep to push it up. It just It just acts that way. Actually, I, I think that he's he's lucky he has a costume that actually pushes it up because that, yeah. <laughs> that armor, like really. I was gonna the costume he wears. You know, he's not got sleeves. 
right. he needs it as Guardian. But does he get cold? Did he get cold when Fury opened the hatch just now? Because yeah, as you said, right. Pete, in your research, it gets cold real quick. Real fast, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe we should see some uh, uh, some goosebumps. We should see. We should have seen a chill wash over the the bridge crew. <laughs> Continuity. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I mean, we we joked about this last season in this shot during the trailer because they all are very serious and pensive looking in this particular yeah. shot. Like it is a serious bunch. On this, on this uh, bridge at this moment, <laughs> very somber. Yeah. Going back to to Fury, though, I love the way that Samuel L. Jackson plays the character in this scene. He's very, very intense. The like the looks that he gives Loki, like it's great. And then kind of that little, it's kind of a smirk, I guess, toward the end after Loki delivers his little bit the way that he just kind of uses it to just kind of dismiss Loki and the whole joke about the magazine and everything like I just like the way Jackson plays it here and you know he's he's had his moments throughout the franchise certainly a lot more in Iron Man 2 as he interacted a lot more with Tony this is really the first time in well not the first time but the the first film I should say where he actually gets to go up against villains. And and this is kind of that moment where he actually, I mean, he fought Loki at the start of the film, but this is that chance he gets to actually kind of have his his um, conversation with him. And I just, I really like the way that these two actors are playing the scene together. But I do have a question. Um, we do get this line about Loki, he kills because it's fun. Is that referencing anything? Is he just assuming that Loki was having fun at the start of the film and, and that's why all this stuff happened. Like what is his sense of saying that as a line? I don't know. I think it's a bridge too far. I think he's just, uh, he's blustering right now because, and just like Loki is blustering, like when Loki turns around and says, what, what is your big gambit here? You want a warm light for all the world? Like it's, it's just like these guys are hand wavy, blustery guys at each other right now. And I, I don't, I mean, I, I think he probably is saying you kill because it's fun, like the crew on CSI Miami says you kill because it's fun, because it's what you say to your perp when he's in the cell. I don't know that he necessarily has any reason to be other than he was there. Like, he doesn't really know Loki's true motivation because he doesn't know what the scepter does. Now I just actually want to hear Fury call Loki his perp at some point. Yeah. I'll bet Furious said the word perp a lot in his life. <laughs> and do you think and do you think this is Fury's version of playing good cop or bad cop right now? Is Fury like no, he just changes his eye patch <laughs> to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like an interrogation though, is it, between Fury and uh, Loki because he's not asking him any questions. He's just throwing some threats around and and saying, "Yeah, you've made made me desperate." Yeah. Right, right, right. Which is the opposite of an interrogation. Well, and also, let's be clear, there's no justice system here. He's already in the cell. Like, it's not, and, and there, he's threatening his life. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no justice system. He's just, they're just two big men talking big men words. So he's Judge Judy and Executioner, then. <laughs> Man, yes. comma placement is important in that phrase. <laughs> The um, 
Uh, <laughs> anyway, I mean, I don't know how to make a shirt out of that, but you can bet I'm trying. <laughs> that's that's a that's a yeah random Beats, random pull and leaves from judge Judy and executioner. <laughs> and what's it's from um, Hot Fuzz. <laughs> it was funny then too. It's always funny then. Um, okay, but, okay, Loki is speaking some truth here. And this is, I think, this is where we start getting some interesting stuff going on in this scene, because I think it's saying a few things. It's saying that, uh, well, you know, we're talking about the Tesseract. This is where the conversation really shifts. You know, Fury starts this bringing the Tesseract in. You steal a force you can't hope to control. And then Loki uses that he says it burns you to have come so close to have the tesseract to have power unlimited power and for what a warm light for all mankind to share and we'll know from later that he's referencing tony and his clean energy but really the whole idea here is that he's aware and i'm i'm assuming that he knows all this because of clint which means clint actually was in the know that they are using the Tesseract to develop weaponry. They're not actually using it to develop clean energy, which is what they're selling. They're selling this as this thing that can, you know, power the world, basically. Now, maybe there is an element of using the Tesseract where we want to power the world and make weaponry. I mean, there is that possibility. But I do think that it's interesting that Loki is using this as his ploy here basically saying i know what you really want out of the tesseract you just want power you want to use it to make weapons not do this clean energy nonsense that tony is doing i i find this to be a really interesting way to play the scene i also think it's interesting that barton clearly knew all of that but i i like that we're getting this this is really where we're starting to get this setup of we can't really be trusting everything that Nick is saying, which is certainly going to play into the conversations we're going to have with Tony and Bruce and Steve over the next like 10, 20 minutes or so as, as they start kind of digging deeper into what's really going on here. But how does this setup for this work for you? Do you like the way that we're starting to get some of this information? And even though we don't know he's referencing Tony's clean energy with that line, he certainly is talking about the fact that Fury keeps pitching it as, yeah, you want to make clean energy. Does it, do you like, is this making sense as far as a play for Loki at this point? Yeah, I, I think that, um, Loki's saying, look, I know, I know the score. I know what's going on. Um, and he's trying to use that as his, as his power there because he is in a cell. He can't do much else, but the, saying you know i know what's going on i know you know i know that this isn't about clean energy this is about weapons you know better than me is that why fury wraps the conversation up so quickly because he knows well we're assuming at this point everybody kind of knows that this conversation is being monitored by the, the team up at the conference table yeah is that why fury chooses this moment to just wrap it up by saying, let me know if Real Power wants a magazine or something and walks out because he doesn't want Loki to say anything more and potentially give things away at this point. Yes, I think that's true. And I think it's it's actually really interesting when he brings up that power, unlimited power, and then he looks at the camera on the line, a warm light for all to share, and cuts to not the Avengers, 
but to Maria Hill. And that, I think, is interesting. One, because she's standing like a zombie, that as if Loki is actually in her head, and that's one point I might give you. But uh, in terms of his imaginations... <laughs> hey, like I'll his take it. If it's play, just the one, I'll take it. If it's just the one, that's all you get. Uh, it, it, in terms of his overall machinations around manipulating or, or baiting S.H.I.E.L.D., it's interesting that they cut to her because of all of the extra footage where she and Fury don't agree. And this is a point of potential conflict between the two that we don't get in this movie, but maybe we would have got had they made the complete movie that they intended to make. Eklund, have you seen any of the uh, the extended or deleted scenes from this film? Not from this film, I don't think so, or not that I remember. If if I would have, it would have been quite a while ago. Well, there's a there's a really interesting set of 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 uh, of extra footage where uh, we get the sense that Maria Hill and Nick Fury don't agree on a lot of stuff. And the opening sequence uh, of the movie is her being interviewed by the Security Council, and she talks about, uh, you know, she's talking about the decisions that Fury made that may have led to this, but then she turns and says he was right. And, you know, it, but there was definitely animosity, antagonism between the two. And so when, you know, that that to me makes a greater point here when, when uh, you know, Loki is baiting Fury and they cut to Hill and she doesn't look happy. Like she's, she is becoming more aware that there are nefarious things going on and maybe Fury isn't telling her everything. That's that's kind of my read on it. And it's a little bit of an unfair read because it's based on stuff that wasn't released in the film. Yeah, I think it makes more sense with the those extra bits. I mean, not that I remember them, but as you've described them, those extra bits add some depth to the to their relationship and the way she'd react to what's going on in this scene. And certainly to her character which is pretty thin yeah well and, and like how i i can't remember like it, honestly the shot of maria hill is is not super long it's not it's not anything that stands out as something that we're supposed to be noticing when you watch the film but it does make you wonder what would what were what were we meant to read right the fact that he looks back to the security camera at that point and we cut to Maria Hill as an audience that didn't have any of that information. Like, what are we supposed to be yeah. reading from that? Yeah, because in the cut of the, I mean, they made a conscious decision to cut to her. They could have cut to any of the Avengers. We haven't seen Black Widow in a while. Why not cut back to her? Uh, you know, Bruce is standing off by the stairs. Why not cut back to him? We cut to Maria Hill for a reason. And I think that's a legacy cut from when there was more Maria Hill in the movie. That's my hypothesis. It would have made the most sense specifically since he is addressing Tony and he's talking about Tony and his uh, Stark Tower, his clean energy, the uh, the power that he has running his building there, it would have made the most sense to actually cut to Tony watching this. And of course, we haven't seen Tony, and as we'll find out later, Tony's not even watching this, at least he doesn't seem to have been as he walks in. So it's weird that it seems a line very directed for Tony we're getting a reaction shot of uh, Maria Hill, which is responding to deleted footage <laughs> that we didn't get to enjoy. And so it becomes, as you said, kind of a strange cut. Like, why do we cut to Hill here? And what are we meant to read from it? Other than, oh, she's also listening in. It, it seems, or you know, 
quite irrelevant, doesn't it? Just to cut to her. They could have cut to someone making coffee in the next room. <laughs> you know, and that would have had the same. You'd have Random gone, oh, right, shielding. Yeah. <laughs> because all she's doing is she's watching it and she's monitoring other other things. And because we don't have any other background there, it doesn't feel like it's attached to what he's saying. Yeah. Well, it is an interesting little beat. Um, again, it's a very short one, but it is an interesting one, certainly that would get fleshed out if those extended and deleted scenes had been left in the film. Right. And it, I, I think the reason I went off on that tangent was to answer your specific question, Andy, which was why do you think you, Nick Fury shut that conversation down? And I think, again, because of extended footage, like he... Yeah, there's stuff we don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah, he knows Hill might be watching. I don't think it, and I also don't think it. Yeah, I don't think it doesn't work either, right? I mean, I think it's it's fine, and it moves us through the minute pretty quickly, and it's a fun conversation. It's it gives Loki a chance to preen. I think all of it, as the movie is presented, works. It's just you know, I I think it's snatching uh, sort of defeat from the jaws of victory because I I am one of the people who longs for a little bit more depth in their relationship between Nick and or Nick and Maria. Yeah, yeah. Fury uses that as his moment to walk out, and then we cut back to uh, well, and Loki, as we see, he walks toward the security camera, and then we cut to an over the shoulder of Steve looking at the footage, which is playing, of course. On the conference table, of course, it's built right into the tabletop, and uh, and then it shuts itself off. I don't know who turns the camera off or why the camera turns off, but the camera feed conveniently does turn off at that moment. <laughs> Maria changed the channel for everybody. Uh, I'm just going to go back to Loki's mind control, and I'm going to say he's actually controlling the cameras, and he chooses <laughs> this moment to dramatically turn off the feed. And nobody cares. <laughs> There's no, hey, wait, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I just turned it, I turned it on too late. What? So I can imagine they'll go, hey, I'm watching that. Start trying to fiddle around with a load of knobs <laughs> exactly. to try and turn it on. Especially Steve, who has no clue <laughs> how to control anything on a glass <laughs> surface. Right. Uh, especially with his heavy gloves on. Yeah. And and we get the we get the last little bit of banter between Bruce and what's well, not even banter. He really grows on you, doesn't he? That's a, it's. I like Bruce being funny. I like Mark Ruffalo. Uh, okay, that's okay. So going back to the director and kind of the, we've seen this play out a lot over the course of the film, where you have a moment that is punctuated by a quick shift in something else, whether it's a music cut, where the music cuts out and suddenly it changes tones completely, or there's something serious happening, and then we get a comedic line punctuating the moment, which is what happens here, where we've got this big, serious scene going on between these different characters, and everyone's watching, and then Bruce has this kind of comedy punchline to it. He really grows on you, doesn't he? Which is kind of a fun way to kind of shift the tone and um, let us know as the audience, okay, the moment's over, we can move on. I mean, do, do you like that, Declan, the way that it plays with Bruce saying the line? Yeah, I like that. I think it's realistic. I think we've all worked with people or, you know, in, in offices or, you know, with teams. And there's always that one person that will say something totally, you know, ridiculous or out of place at the end of a serious meeting or conversation. Yeah, to kind of like break the uh, break the tension or whatever, it is, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I wasn't completely convinced I bought Bruce saying this line. It felt a little like a Tony line, 
But the more I watch the line, the more I see it, I, I feel like I can buy into Banner saying this. I think it could be something that he would throw out there. Yeah, I do too. Because Banner, I like we, I have to remind myself because of the way Ruffalo plays the character early on as kind of enfeebled is that. He's enfeebled, but kind of not really. Like, he's this nebbishy, sciencey guy who also is allowed to walk through the world unafraid of anything, right? Like, he's unafraid of anything. If he's afraid of anything, it's that his lack of fear is going to damage people, places, and things, right? Like, that is... So, it doesn't surprise me at all that he is trying... Like, he's the one who gets to make the, the snide remark in an audience of people that he still is kind of feeling out like he he doesn't know who these people are really like he's shaking hands with them and now he's on deck yeah i mean that's definitely a good point that you know this is all still the same day (laughs) according to the marvel wiki this whole thing takes place over just like less than a week it's a very quick story right and yeah they're all still getting to know each other and bruce especially because he wasn't on the mission to stuttgart he hasn't had as much time. He didn't have plane time. He didn't have any plane time, right. So he's been, he's really kind of been, I don't know, I assume in his lab fiddling with that funky machine mm-hmm. um, all this time. Wait, probably waiting to get the scepter. Now he can kind of plug the scepter in and use it to help track things down. Right. Well, Steve at the end is the one getting everybody back on task. Loki's going to drag this out. He's trying to get back into the serious conversation here. And that's the end of our minute uh, and our time with Declan this week. Any last thoughts about anything today or this week, Declan? The only thing I could really think of is that I was quite sad when you said, you know, come back, do these minutes. And I thought, hmm, there's no Phil Coulson in these minutes. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I was a little bit taken back. I nearly said no. But I thought, for you guys, I'd do it. Oh, Declan. Oh, well. <laughs> and, it, and you're so close to Phil also, like so the very close. next minute. No, I know, so close. So close, but so far. <laughs> well, we certainly appreciate you doing what you could to kind of work <laughs> through that so that you can come back and join us. Because we, we had a great time chatting with you about these minutes. Uh, it's a good set of minutes. I, I, I enjoy it. It's It's nice to kind of get into the meat of the mystery of what's going on on the ship. So, very fun. All right, Declan, um, tell everybody again one last time about your show and where they can tune in. Yeah, so Scream Movie Minute, uh, you'll be able to find it on all of your normal places you find podcasts. Um, We have a Facebook page, uh, Scream Movie Minute, unless there's someone else doing it exactly the same time, I should be the only one. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be deeply disappointed if someone's just beaten me to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so episodes should be released. Um, hopefully by the time this episode is, uh, at the time you're listening to this episode, if not very, very shortly after. Fantastic. Check that out, everybody. Um, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Thanks again so much, Declan. Thank you. And that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with another guest. Uh, Tomorrow, I believe we're going to have Robin Burge back on the show to chat with us from Karate Kid Minute. So should be fun. Should be a good conversation. And uh, that's it. So, Pete, thanks as always. Oh, Andy, tomorrow, Thor bears all. (laughs) Until next time, true believers.
Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. 